进同埋严重。You're listening to the news on RTHK. An international station for an international city. This is Radio 3. Money Talk. Good morning. It's 8.03 in Hong Kong at the start of a new week, Monday the 7th of March. This is Peter Lewis with Money Talk on Radio 3. China has announced a GDP growth target of about 5.5% for 2022 and its annual two sessions. It's the lowest growth target in more than three decades. Premier Li Keqiang said despite growth of 8.1% last year, the mainland is facing the triple pressures of shrinking demand, disrupted supply and weakening expectations. The president of the World Bank warned that the war in Ukraine is a catastrophe for the world which will cut global economic growth. The war in Ukraine comes at a bad time for the world because inflation was already rising, said David Malpass. He said the economic impact of the war stretches beyond Ukraine's borders and the rises in global energy prices in particular hit the poor the most, as does inflation. Hong Kong's retail sales grew at the slowest pace since July, with the government's warning of further pressure ahead amid a surge in COVID cases. The value of retail sales Grew 4.1% in January from a year earlier, down from 6.2% the prior month, and compared with eco- economists' forecasts of 4%. The volume of sales rose 1.7%. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Mark Michelson from IMA Asia and Louis Coyce at S&P Global Ratings, with a view from mainland China, the Shanghai-based independent economist Andy Sher. Money Talk. Global stocks slumped on Friday following the attack on the Ukraine nuclear facility, while commodities posted their biggest weekly surge since September 1974, spurred by sharp gains for grains, metals, and energy prices worldwide. On Wall Street, the S&P 500 index dropped for the fourth time in five days, ending at 4,329, down 0.8% for the day and 1.3% for the week. The Dow lost 180 points, or half a percent, to finish at 33,615. For the week, it fell 1.3% in its fourth straight week of declines. The Nasdaq Composite Index slipped 1.7% to 13,313 and was down 2.8% over the week. European stocks logged their worst week since March 2020, down 7% on Friday. The Pan-European Stock 600 index closed with losses of 3.6%. The UK's FTSE 100 tumbled 6.7% over the five sessions. The Russian stock market will remain closed for trading until at least Wednesday, marking a record in the country's modern history. The Vanek Vectors Russia ETF trading in Chicago fell another 2.4% on Friday, taking its losses last week to 64%. Asian shares plunged to a 16-month low on Friday. The MSCI Asia Pacific Index fell 1.7% to its lowest since November 2020. Hong Kong stocks dived following news that Russian troops had shelled Europe's biggest nuclear power plant in Ukraine. The Hang Seng Index sank 2.5%, or 562 points, to 21,905. 
dropping below the 22,000 mark for the first time since March 2020. Shares fell for the third straight week, with the index losing 3.8% over the five trading days. The Hang Seng Tech Index fell 4.4% to the lowest since its inception in mid-2020. The Shanghai Composite dropped 1% to 3,447. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil settled 7% higher at $118.11 a barrel on Friday. And Brent rose more than 20% last week. And this morning in Asia, Brent has surged another 10%, trading right now at um, $130.20 a barrel. That's a 13-year high. Copper jumped almost 10% higher last week. Gold is also surging this morning. It's at uh, $1,989 an ounce right now. Government bond yields plunged as investors cut risk. The US 10-year Treasury bond yield fell 11 basis points Friday and 23 basis points over the week to 1.74%. In the currency markets, the euro is at a two-year low of $1.8.75. Japanese yen is trading at 114.9. Sterling fell almost 1% on Friday to $1.32 and 10 Hong Kong dollars and 32 cents. Chinese yuan is unchanged over the week at 6.32 versus the dollar. And Bitcoin fell 9% on Friday, right now at $38,500. And this morning, US stock index futures are trading 1.3% lower. That's dragging Asian markets lower. Uh, the ASX 200 in Australia is down about uh, 2%. Looks like the uh, the... Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is currently two and a quarter percent lower. The Cosby in South Korea is off 1.4 percent at the open, and looks like it's going to be a bad start for the Hang Seng. Futures markets pointing to a loss of 600 points at the open that will get the index trading at 21,300 later on this morning. nine and a half. Let's join our guests. We have with us Mark Michelson, Chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. Morning, Mark. Uh, morning, morning, Peter and Lewis. And also with us is Louis Coyce, Chief Asia Economist at S and P Global Ratings. Good morning, Louis. Hi. Good morning, both. Um, China's announced, as you heard, their GDP growth target of about five and a half percent for this year at its annual two sessions, the lowest growth target in more than three decades. Uh, Premier Li Keqiang said despite growth of 8.1% last year, the mainland's facing the triple pressures of shrinking demand, disrupted supply and weakening expectations. He said that other economic targets for employment and inflation remain the same as last year. China aims to add more than 11 million urban jobs in 2022 and target an unemployment rate in the cities of no more than 5.5% and a consumer price index of around 3%, according to Premier Lee. The budget deficit will be narrowed to 2.8% of GDP this year from last year's target of around 3.2%. So, Louis, um, I wonder what you make of that. Growth in China was 4% in the final quarter of last year, so it's 5.5% an achievable and realistic target. It's um, it's an ambitious target. Uh, we of course still have downward pressures on growth coming from 
the uh, especially the real estate downturn. We also have consumers still being quite cautious as restrictions uh, on the mainland, uh, COVID-related restrictions are still in place. So it's an ambitious target, and it does really imply that the leadership, the government, um, you know, will will roll out, will have to roll out more growth-supporting measures. Uh, that is, I think, a, a, a key message of, of, of that target. And what sort of measures are you expecting? So we can see from the overall fiscal side that the fiscal stance is going to be uh, positive, that, that there will be growth coming from all, the, all that the government is doing. It's a little bit deceptive. The headline government deficit is coming down, but there are other things happening that will, uh, th- that will basically generate some support on that front. And we also now expect this growth target and the language on monetary policy and also on the property sector to then also lead to more initiatives being undertaken on that monetary side and the property side to to really uh, support growth to get it uh, definitely above five percent. Mark, from from the perspective of your sort of members, growth at four percent in Q4, five and a half percent, what do you think? Well, that was the expectation anyway. I think I've talked on, the, on this program before that many of them have been feeling a, a, a considerable slowdown in the second half of last year mm. and are continuing to in this case. So it's not wonderful news, but it's something that they've anticipated. And they're also anticipating just what Louis said, that there'll be some stimulus measures, which, which may be helpful. Mm. And um, does this target assume that China's going to maintain its zero COVID policy? Do you know? It's, that that's that's the big question, isn't it? You know, there have been hints that there might be looking at that China may be looking at this again. It's not at all all clear at the moment. It seems mm-hmm. to be in place, and of course, what wasn't mentioned in, in the in the prime minister's uh, uh, list of of reasons was geopolitics, which is sort of a fairly important factor these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to get on to talking with you about the impact of Ukraine. Um, on the uh, on the the economy in in, in a moment, um, Louis. One thing that seems um, uh, well, maybe not odd, but it's it's not quite going to help them achieve this target. Is they want to cut government spending at the same time that they're trying to meet a higher uh, target. So they want to meet a new budget deficit target of two point eight percent, but at the same time, public expenditure is projected projected to grow eight point four percent. How are they going to do that? Well, you know, people are still poring over the, all the all the fiscal announcements and numbers that are coming out. And you know, I cannot claim to be an expert. Other people in my firm uh, look at that more closely. But it is uh, we, we can see that last year the government basically underspent its budget, um, not only on the headline front, but also in terms of some of the funds and even these special. Uh, government bonds that are issued every year, uh, a significant amount of money that was issued last year has also not been used. And so there's going to be a, a quite meaningful amount of money that will be carried over. It was meant to be spent last year. That didn't happen. And therefore, it's going to be spent this year. So if you think about that in cash terms, in terms of the money that is actually, you know, going into the economy, last year was very, really quite very frugal. 
uh, more frugal than actually the government had, uh, the central government had planned it to be. That had a lot to do with the fact that everybody was looking at, you know, uh, growth that was much higher than the target that was set last year. And this year we'll see the opposite, that the, that the, the, the actual amount of spending that will, that will take place in, uh, in all the levels of government will be higher than what we see in that headline number. Okay, so in effect, what they're doing is they're using their savings from previous years to pay for the rise in expenditure this year. That's right. Okay. Um, Mark, what about the housing sector? Is that going to continue to be a drag on growth? Well, it, it looks like in, in, many, in some ways it is, although obviously it's, a, it's another high priority, I, I guess, for the government, and it affects everybody, I, you know, even directly or indirectly. So it's a, it's a, it's a major issue in all of our discussions. Uh, property in general and housing in, in particular. Sometimes, obviously, it's directly important for some of these companies who, who serve that industry, but uh, they're all affected by it in one way or another, and so it's, it's one of the biggest worries, frankly. They're, they're doing quite a, a big balancing act here, aren't they? Because it seems they've got to try and do some really fundamental reforms to the economy so that they're no longer def- dependent on property debt and local government debts. They've got an ageing society as well. But at the same time, they can't rely on infrastructure investment and property investment forever. No, that, that's right. And, of course, it's, a, it's an important year for China in terms of their major meetings in the Party Congress uh, later this year. So uh, it's even perhaps more important to try to, uh, try to calm things down a little bit and sort of look like uh, moving in a positive direction. Mm. Louis, Ukraine, it wasn't mentioned by name uh, in, in uh, Premier Li Keqiang's speech, uh, but is this going to be a drag on growth as well, on top of some of the other problems China's facing? It will definitely not help. I mean, looking at some of the numbers that you just uh, mentioned, Peter, like the oil price at, uh, at 130, uh, China is a, uh, is a commodity, is a net commodity importer, it's mm. a net energy importer, so that this will add you know, pressures. It will also add to these um, price pressures that the, that the prime minister is often, uh, you know, openly uh, worried about. You know, that, uh, that the producer prices will go up. So it's, uh, you know, China is uh, a big economy, and the impact on China is not going to big to, to be as big as, for instance, it will be on Europe, which is much closer. And, and trades more with Russia and Ukraine, but yeah, it will be a negative for China that will add to these uh, to that imperative to these pressures to to release more growth supporting measures this year. So, so as well as energy, it also imports quite a number of agricultural products as well from Ukraine: sunflower seed oil, corn. How inflationary is this going to be for China, and what sort of upward pressure is it going to put on the consumer price index? Yeah, you know, um, in, a, in a way, what is happening now is is adding fuel to developments that had that were already happening. Right, we already had very large rises in, in uh, commodity prices and, and energy prices, and uh, on both these fronts, the Ukraine situation is adding to that. Um, the remarkable thing in China and in Asia more generally, so far, has been that we have very rapid increases in producer prices, CPI inflation hasn't been so bad, hasn't, hasn't increased that much. That is painful for the, for the companies that, that sit in between, especially downstream companies that, that 
see their costs rising, but cannot, you know, uh, carry through those increases in their, the prices that they charge their consumers. But it does mean that for central bankers, life is not as hard as it is, say, in the U.S., where they need to deal with very high consumer price inflation. Mark, uh, Ukraine, it was the elephant in the room that wasn't mentioned at the two sessions, but presumably it is going to have an impact. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know what, I don't know if it's good news, but it might be hopeful in the sense that it's become such an important issue, not only obviously because the war is going on, but also the economic impact, which which we're really talking about today, and, and what was just outlined, how it may the effect it may have on China. And China may be in a position as as their leaders have said, to move to try and put more pressure to trying to find some way to calm the situation down, whether it's a ceasefire, longer ceasefire or some kind of talks or something like that. I don't know if that'll happen, but uh, certainly there'll be a lot more incentive to do that. Historically, China's never really been a mediator, has it, in peace no. processes? They don't have someone like, well, you remember Al Haig in the U.S. No, who would no. shuttle no. backwards and forwards between no, capitals, no. trying no. to bang heads together. Yeah, although I think they have some some people capable of doing that. Whether they'll whether they'll take that uh, that step or not, I, I don't know. What about financial linkages between China and Russia? How big a risk are they? It's I you know in. I guess it, it it could be. It just depends on what further sanctions are and and how tightly they're enforced. If it's if it's stepped up considerably, I suppose the the fallout would be pretty considerable. Mm. What do you think, Louis? Are, are the financial linkages between Russia and uh, China are the, are they a risk? Well, you know, um, if you look at the absolute numbers, then yeah, you know, they they are. They are sizable. I would say compared to China's system and to, compared to China's economy, I, I, I don't think for China that is a, a huge deal. Mm. Uh, it's probably you know more that it would help Russia if, for instance, uh, Russian companies can continue to trade with China, even in the case of very strict financial sanctions from the West, you know, by using things like the, uh, the swap that exists between the two central banks. So it will be the impact on Russia will be relatively bigger than 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 on China, given that China's economy is so much bigger. Yeah, pretends, uh, it has, presents the opportunity for workarounds, basically. So is that yeah. is that significant? They could find ways of sort of giving Russia a way out of the sanctions. It, it's a, go ahead. it's an offset. So, sorry, Mark. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Lord. No, I was just going to say it. You know, it will it will help. It it would help offset some of the pressures. Uh, it cannot really uh, fully uh, do so, though. Like you know, yeah. Russia's Russia's especially Russia's energy exports to to Europe uh, dominate its whole international trade picture, and China is an increasing uh, you know trade partner for for Russia, but it is still uh, smaller, especially in terms of those energy. Exports than 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 Europe is. Mm. Mark, no, I, I I agree with that, and that's the that's the issue. But again, it might might provide some relief, but uh, probably not enough in the, this case. Now, we had some economic data out from Hong Kong on Friday. Retail sales grew at the slowest pace since July, with the government warning of further pressure ahead because of the surge in COVID cases. The value of retail sales grew 4.1% in January. 
the volume rose just 1.7%. Uh, that, that value was down from 6.2% the prior month. Louis, I suppose, no surprise, but how big an impact on Hong Kong's economy is all of this going to be? Yeah, it's not a it's not a great uh, time for the Hong Kong economy. Um, with you know, if you if you just uh, walk on the street, you can you can see that it's actually still remarkable that there was uh, retail growth. Of course, this was January. It's probably going to be a bit worse than February. So, yeah, this is uh, it's a challenging time for Hong Kong uh, economically. No doubt about it. Mark, no, exactly. When you you know walking along stores, you see you know two or three closed, often because someone is sick or somebody has has COVID or they're not getting supplies. And, uh, and you know, it's got to it's gotta have an impact. And, of course, psychologically, it doesn't exactly uh, stimulate consumer sentiment except for, for products and services that they really need. Okay. Thank you both very much. You heard there Mark Michelson, chairman of the Asia CEO Forum at IMA Asia. Louis Kois, who's chief Asia economist at S&P Global Ratings. 5, 6, 7 a.m. Radio 3. Whether you're here or here, maybe here. Perhaps not there. You can always listen to Radio 3. Just go to your favorite app store and download RTHK on the go. Radio 3. We are always here. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. It's 8.24. On the phone now from Shanghai is independence economist Andy Sher. Morning, Andy. Good morning, Peter. Let me ask you, first of all, about this new growth target that was announced at the two sessions on Saturday, 5.5%. That compares to growth of 4% in the fourth quarter last year. Do you think it's achievable? Well, I, I think it's going to be hard. I, on the one side, uh, the Statistics Bureau will likely announce a number uh, similar to what the government said. But in reality, it's going to be very hard. And the, uh, the economy depends on export, uh, no growth engine at home, and on the uh, and also the property develop uh, property sector is in big trouble. Most developers have liquidity problems this year. They cannot borrow more because of the three red lines, and they have debts due, and they don't have the money to pay the debt uh, the, 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 to, to pay the debt back. So uh, unless the government changes policy, uh, most developers actually will go bust this year. So I, I think a lot of uncertainty out there. So do you think then that China will maybe ease some of these um, restrictions on the property developers? Will, will they be forced to do that in the end? Oh, most developers think the government has to, uh, because uh, otherwise the government, uh, the economy will, will collapse. Uh, this is kind of a self-fulfilling uh, expectation that uh, uh, the government gov- government is uh, is being kept hostage by the property sector. So this kind of a Ponzi debt Ponzi scheme has been going on. The government government uh, is trying to shake it off. Uh, so if they losing the policy, then. Uh, uh, kind of the Ponzi scheme keeps going, so I think that uh, mm. it's uh, very it's very difficult for, difficult for the government. 
And, and what about the common prosperity um, theme? That That's really a, a sort of a major policy plank, isn't it? Does that add to growth or does it subtract from it? Well, this is actually uh, not correlated with growth. And uh, good growth is not usually not very good for social uh, uh, equity. Uh, you have a surging uh, property prices and, uh, and boom-bust cycles. These are all very bad for the little people. Mm. And uh, what do you, uh, only the people in the know, they kind of somehow they come out uh, ahead. So I think that uh, uh, like Everywhere else, strong growth, that's what the market wants, what the economists are talking about, is not good for, for little people. Mm. And, and are they going to fall back on their traditional ways of trying to uh, you know, stimulate the economy through manufacturing? Are they going to tr- have to turn away from uh, trying to do things like increased domestic spending? Well, uh, they, they, they could uh, push infrastructure again, but I think infrastructure is kind of a... Uh, a, 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 in separate situation uh, in most areas, and also local government, governments are so much in debt, and uh, they they have revenue problem because they don't sell land like before, and the local governments uh, depend on land sales for half of their revenues. Mm. So I think that the uh, the domestic side uh, is is uh, doesn't look like uh, there's an easy go to place. So, if, so if... it all depends on exports. So well, that's what I was going to ask. If if they can't rely on infrastructure investments anymore and property investments, what do they rely on to boost growth? You, you're saying it's exports. Yeah, last year, you know, exports rose by 30, 30% on very high base, increased by $700 billion. Mm. But now, for, this year, obviously, it's going to be a lot less. It's very risky, isn't it, given the external environment at the moment? Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, the uh, the world may be headed for a recession because of the Ukraine crisis. And uh, the energy shock is maybe just the beginning. So what is the impact of the Ukraine crisis on China directly? Uh, Directly, actually, uh, it's probably going to be limited because uh, Russia will will sell a lot of oil and gas to China and also grain, uh, I I suppose. but, but Russia is a small market, uh, you know, it's uh, even though they, they probably uh, Russians can't buy iPhones, uh, so they'll buy, they'll have to do with Xiaomi, you know. Mm. So uh, so uh, the consumer goods, uh, and, uh, Russians, uh, like in 2014, they, they, they ate uh, vegetables from, from, from Western Europe, then they started eating local vegetables, pretty kind of a chewy stuff, but they, 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 they switched. I think this time they will switch to Chinese consumer goods. You know, they live like Chinese. So, uh, but but the issue, the big issue, is the global demand. And if if there's a big, uh, you know, the Russia Russians cannot buy so much. If there's a global recession, then uh, you know it looks very difficult for China. Even if um, China, which is a big importer, we know of agricultural products, of energy products, even if it can buy uh, more from Russia, it's got to pay much higher prices for it, hasn't it? So, what, what sort of impact is that going to have on consumer price inflation on the mainland? Yeah, they, they uh, you know, they, they, they raise prices uh, usually, like uh, in the last twenty years, but this time I think it's different. I think that uh, the government may hold down, hold on, uh, hold down the prices. 
So the people who buy Chinese oil stocks uh, who, uh, because of the, the, the uh, oil price is rising, they may be disappointed because the, now politics is so much more important than before. Andy, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. That's Shanghai-based independence economist Andy Share. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a look at the markets for one more time uh, this morning. First of all, in Australia, the SX200 is down uh, three quarters of a percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is sinking. It's down about 2.6%. The Cosby in South Korea also off 2%. Looks like the Hang Seng uh, is going to open about 500 points, like 600 points lower, sorry, I should say, um, at the open at about 21,300. Energy prices are soaring. Uh, Brent crude oil is up about another 10% in Asian trading this morning at $131. Gold is also surging as well this morning. Right now, uh, gold is trading at uh, $1,988 an ounce. That's it for me. Uh, Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for the COVID updates with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse. The weather forecast, mainly cloudy, cool in the morning, one or two rain patches. Uh, It's going to become fine and dry in the afternoon. Maximum temperature is going to be around 22 degrees and then mainly fine and dry in the next couple of days. Temperature right now is 18 degrees, 94% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Here's Andy Shrosky with the Half Hour News. Anyone who tests positive for COVID can now call a new hotline so isolation can be arranged. The hotline for people with mild to no symptoms was announced yesterday by the Security Secretary, Chris Tang. Mr. Tang said priority would be given to those with unsuitable living conditions for self-isolation. He spoke to reporters after inspecting the makeshift isolation facility in Chengyi. We will try to arrange um, the admittance into these uh, isolation facilities as soon as possible. Um, basically, it all depends on the availability of the rooms and the situation of the individuals. Anyone who tests positive can send a WhatsApp message to 5233-1833. That number again is 5233-1833. The Center for Health Protection said yesterday that 153 people with COVID had died in the past 24 hours, similar to the death toll reported on Saturday. The number of infections, though, dropped significantly, with just over 31,000 new cases reported. That's down from more than 37,000 on Saturday and over 50,000 three days last week. But the center's Dr. Albert Au said it was too early to judge whether or not the fifth wave had peaked. He spoke through an interpreter. For the past week or two, I think many citizens have been testing themselves using rapid test kits, and such figures cannot be reflected in our caseload. What we can see is that we have been covering buildings by having restriction and testing decorations, and then the number of positive cases is high, uh, even up to 10 to 15 percent. So you can see that um, the infection in the District offices will hand out rapid test kits to about 80,000 residents, cleaners and property management staff at a number of buildings in Sha Tin, Southern District, Kuntong and Yunlong after relatively high viral loads of COVID were found in sewage samples there. Those who test positive again can call the government hotline to get further help. Overseas, the humanitarian crisis in Ukraine is deepening, with tens of thousands of civilians trapped in cities under Russian shellfire. 
civilian casualties have also been rising. This Indian student in the eastern city of Sumi said he had run out of food and fresh water. No food for the whole day, no water for the whole day, bring out some snow from the downstairs. I just live on the ninth floor. I had to run down on the first floor, bring out the snow from the outside, bring it inside, warm it up, boil it up, then cool it, then drink. Moody's has downgraded Russia's credit rating to the second lowest rung of its ratings ladder. The agency cited central